Welcome to the X29 Podcast. So look, I have the honor and the privilege of hosting as well as leading a monthly Zoom meeting called Pastor to Pastor, which was actually founded during uh, the pandemic. And it was our opportunity to minister, love, care for, and serve pastors and their wives. And, uh, but it has expanded to actually now supporting church staffs. Uh, it's held every month on the third Wednesday at 2 o'clock, and we want to encourage you uh, to be a part of that. One of the things we do is we recognize and understand the challenges of serving in ministry. And so one of the things that we have created was that monthly Zoom call in order to be an encouragement to you. And so if you're here today and you're part of a church staff, I want you to know that you're welcome, right? It's not just for pastors and wives, although we do want to serve them. It's for all of us who serve faithfully in ministry. So today what we want to do, I'm not going to speak a full message we want to talk a little bit about what it looks like to have a live pastor to pastor today in front of you. You see, the last three years have been absolutely horrific. It's been tough. And uh, there are some things that you have bought into this conference that you're going to have to deal with when you go back. And so we want to create this live pastor to pastor as a way of shepherding you and encouraging you and giving you some words to put to some experiences that you have but also hopefully give you some counsel that maybe some things you can maybe start when you get back home. You see, COVID, politics, and race are some of the most popular issues that have challenged our relationships. And so we want to focus specifically during this time on dealing with how to maintain healthy relationships post-COVID. And so we want to talk about that today. So I've invited uh, a diverse a uh, panel of voices, uh, experiences, perspectives in order to come and share with us today. And so I've asked these wonderful people to be here. So we have six categories and we have questions under those categories that we're going to attempt to address today. Uh, gonna, for the sake of time, let's focus in on uh, one of our main categories or one of the first categories is the fact that we've seen coming out of COVID, and I've heard this multiple times from different people, both pastors, wives, church leaders, this reality that people want more intimate friendships now coming out of COVID. And so here's the first question. How do we give more attention to going deeper with a few trusted friends? All right. Because I'm talking out of the fact that a lot of friendships have changed because of COVID, right? So now I see people kind of kind of shrinking their population of people that they want to be in contact with. And so how would we, how would we answer this question? Anybody want to take that? I'll jump. I think about Colossians three thirteen, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If you have a grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you are also to forgive. I think um, we lack depth because we lack a level of honesty and vulnerability. And some of the most lonely people are pastors with a bunch of members where they never can be honest. And so I think if we're gonna go deeper, then we've gotta start getting honest. We start gotta start getting raw. We gotta start confessing and not putting bleach on our sin. So when we tell it, it sounds not as bad as it is. 
But when we begin to really confess and get raw with a, with a select few, Cruffalo Ritz said many years ago, I was 2003, he says, the pastor must learn like a fighter jet pilot to fly in a tight formation with a select few. Mm, that's good. And we've got to learn that, but that comes with vulnerability. Speaking of vulnerability, you give, you do very well in being authentic. Really, you're not a non you're not a conformist, right? Amen. <laughs> so, so like, I think there's a, a desire in most people to be authentically themselves, and I think you do it very well. Um, what are some of the helpful ways in which you kind of are free to kind of be yourself? Well, I come from, I grew up in a black church. My wife was white, so the black church, um, not everyone, there's plenty of beautiful black churches. I love black church, um, but my wife experienced a lot of racism when I was in the black church, black Baptist church. And so then coming out of that, and hanging around some Presbyterians, some PCA cats, I didn't have the, so I didn't have the right complexion to make the connection in, in, in my white crew, and I didn't have the color wife to make the connection in my black crew. So my homelessness, my ecclesiological homelessness drew me to Acts 29. Mm -hmm. And at the time, like I think about a Brian Howard, I think about a you, Dave Pinckney, mm -hmm. and all the OGs, you guys were kind of crazy. And I felt at home. I was like, oh, they talk crazy. They smoke, they drink, they do sanctified cussing. And so, <laughs> and so I just stayed like I was. And when the world changed, I didn't move. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Jesse, what have you seen amongst the women as you've engaged with women who kind of try to keep their circles small and intimate? What, what have you found to be helpful? Um, I, <laughs> I think one thing that's been really helpful is just you have to admit the need. I think it's hard to be really vulnerable when you feel like everyone's looking at me and um, everyone wants to, to be my friend and wants a little piece of me, but to actually step out and say, I have a need for friendship. Mm. Um, you don't have to be friends with every single person, but I think about um, my husband actually a couple years ago when everything shut down and um, no one had like gatherings or anything like that. He got together with one of his friends after some hard stuff and said, "Will you? I need a friend. Will you be mm. my friend? And I thought of the example of that and how hard it is to actually ask someone mm. to be in your corner, to mm. be more than just, hey, we're friendly, mm. but I've got your back. And so I think the vulnerability of saying, I'm taking care of everybody else, um, I'm in ministry, whatever, but I have need mm. is, it's hard to do, but that's, that's so a starting point. That's so good. Leslie, what do you think, where do you think some of that craving for intimacy and closeness and relationship is coming from, particularly post-COVID? I think there's a crisis of loneliness. I think Jen even touched on that enormous crisis of loneliness where uh, I do think in advance of this <clears throat> of COVID, uh, ministry has created a really unhealthy perspective of I'm an island. I can do this all on my own. I'm a planter. I'm the planter's wife. We're going to have all the gifts so to do the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not true. <laughs> it's a lie. Mm -hmm. 
And I think I love that Jesse said that there's a, a need, a craving for uh, we need life. Like I have deep friendships because I need people to breathe life into my soul. Mm. And when the crisis comes, I need people who are going to um, sing my song when I don't know what it is. Mm. I need people to preach the gospel to me when I have gospel amnesia. Amen. And that is like daily. <laughs> like I think I need people who will remind me. My deepest friends remind me, this is who God is. Mm. I want to remind you, I'm going to point you to Jesus. I'm going to point you back to the word to remind you that God is good. He is kind. He is faithful. He is loving. And I need people in my corner who don't just affirm me. As women, we love to be affirmed. But I think who don't just say, you're good, you're awesome. That's one thing. But deep gospel truths, like this is who God is. He is for you. He is kind. He is faithful. He will walk you through this. And point me to scripture where I literally find That's life. That's, That's good. I think, what matters. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Man, goodness. That's good. Some of, some of this is birthed out of the fact that people have heard us. Okay? So let, we can go to the second category. Um, Jeff, I'm going to ask you this question. How do we muster up the strength to confront trusted friends who have hurt us over the last few years? I think the, one of the first things you have to do, something you have to not do, is go to social media. Um, some people just need to get a diary. Um, a dear diary. Um, and it's not Twitter. It's not Facebook. Like, we need to recover diaries and journals. Uh, That's a word. That's a word. And so now let me be spiritual now is we need to recover one category that we've lost in our evangelical tribe is lament. Mm. We have a whole book of the Bible dedicated to lament. And I I think we've been hindered from this by social media. We see a tragic story and then it's a cat video. Mm. Um, The human psyche is not built for that. We need to be able to sit, consider, lament. Um, and then, I mean, we've all got wounds on the stage mm. from trusted friends. Uh, this room is filled with wounds and scars and hurts. And Paul's no stranger to that. He says, everyone abandoned me. Luke is only with me. And watch out for Alexander the Cossack. That's right. That's right. There are three categories of bad friends, a faithful friend, someone who will hurt us. But then he says, but the Lord stood by me. Mm. And our Lord went through all of these things as well. Um, So where we go is, I think, first to the Lord Mm. and to lament the pain, to lament the hurt, to lament the loss. Mm. I mean, I think of David in Psalm 55. It's unreal. Mm. He says, my heart is in anguish within me. Mm. So I think we need to honestly, you know, it's a really popular turn right now in evangelicalism to use the phrase, uh, we got to name it, name it. Well, yeah, fine. Name the pain. Uh, My heart is in anguish. Mm. And David says, it's not because it was an enemy. But it was you, my close friend, that we had sweet counsel together. We would walk and lead and worship together. It's a fellow leader of his that hurt him. And so first we need to name, go to the Lord, name it. And then, as Doug pointed out so beautifully, is to bear with one another and forgive one another. That's real. Like Those are real categories that Jesus died for and rose again for to give us. And so there's two, with bearing, it's interesting that Paul says bearing and forgiving. Why those two separate things? Well, one is for sin, forgiving. Mm. The other is for we're annoying people, bearing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like not everything is like, I, uh, forgive me. No, like I'm annoying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I have annoying Christian friends. Yeah. And like we're just human beings. 
And so we're going to frustrate each other. We got to learn to bear with one another. And here, here's the thing that I try to help people when I help them work through those things is that unhealed hearts keep score. Yeah. yeah. That's good. And unhealed wounds add up. And I think what you're talking about is lament is just so incredibly helpful because we are dealing with the present, but at the same time, resting in the hope of the future. But in between that is a need for us to grieve. Jesse, you want to speak to that? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think on that same note, um, I think about, I think it was one of the trip books, but when, when we think about our relationships with other believers, especially there are our brothers and sisters, I think he talks about the marriage relationship and how if we can come to it not thinking, okay, this was a personal attack on me, and first praying that the Holy Spirit would just give us strength, like to actually bind us up so that we could be strong enough to go into a wounding situation or a relationship where we've been hurt and then say, okay, I can either look at this as a personal attack on me. I need to have my wrongs righted. I deserve justice here, forgetting that, you know, Jesus already paid for that. But coming back to it and saying, okay, now I can look at this brother or this sister and say, my job as their fellow, you know, member of the body of Christ is to actually lovingly lead them back to Jesus. Mm. And obviously there's times where that's not going to be easy. Mm. But when you come at it with that perspective, you don't have to be righted. You don't have to be vindicated. Mm -hmm. You can just say... How can I like actually show the gospel and, and like mm. unmerited favor and grace and love to this person? Mm. And that is what softens hearts. I always pray, Lord, just keep my heart tender. I don't want to walk into this with my rights and my needs being met. Um, and it really is, it's that whole, my life for yours, how Christ has loved us yes. is not, um, it's, it's like you said, we're not keeping score. Yeah. We're saying, I've already been forgiven for so much. Yeah. How can I hold this grudge? So. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. Okay, let me get, let me get, let me get Leslie real quick. Leslie, um, People may be out here asking, saying to themselves, I need to grieve. They're kind of reminding me of some things I need to grieve. How do you create margin to grieve? That's good. I think one thing about grief, uh, for those of you who've walked through seasons of grief, um, grief is a squiggly line. There are things, grief is, there's no plan A for grief. Grief doesn't go, I'm going to grieve on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then when I, hop, when I walk into church on Sunday, I'm good. I'm fine. My kids are fine. We're all good. Grief has its own way. And it will make a way in your heart. And if you don't make a way for grief, mm-hmm. um, it will make a way for you. And you'll find yourself in situations where you think, I, this is not how I want to be responding. There'll be symptoms in your life for coming out from, un, I love that you said that, unhealed wounds. Mm-hmm. Like we'll see them in our own life if we don't process them well. And it goes back to your first question about, friendships margin happens we create friendships who we can understand who will walk us through the grieving process so it's back to what everyone was saying do i have need for friendships there there's so many reasons i need trusted confidants in my life my i need for my husband to have them so he can grieve well with other godly men and he needs me to have them so i can grieve well with other godly women and make space for it We're, we're a culture a ministry, I think, where we are always running fast and hard. 
and we hurt other people because we're running fast and hard and don't deal with our own stuff and we throw it away. We're like, it's okay. We're fine. It's no big deal. It's ministry. It's ministry. It's ministry. Whatever. Without acknowledging, it's just like there are real deep wounds and hurts and your own story of walking through grief is not just for you. Your story eventually a healed story eventually will make its way through uh, a, re- a healed, redeemed story will make its way into someone else's life where you're able to walk through your own story and tell someone else, this is what God has done with my grief when it's processed well. And it can be a remarkable testimony of God's grace and his redemption because he redeems He redeems those things. He redeems all things. And so he's good to, to do that when we let him, when we create space for it. That's a gift. Thank you for gifting us like that. <laughs> Pastor Doug, you had a second? Oh, no, I just, um, I, I think the telos of my grief is that one day God's going to wipe away all tears from my eyes. So I grieve in that light. Mm-hmm. Um, that, And so I then back up from if God's going to wipe away all tears from my eyes, what are the tools that I can walk those out on earth right now? Mm-hmm. And so I... Um, what Sisha said was like, give yourself time, give yourself space, be honest. Um, I mean, I, you know, I jokingly, I, I jokingly pick on people, um, like Christy this morning said, all right, Doug, we're going to go out at eight something. I said, why are you saying so aggressive, Christy? <laughs> and she, of course, didn't say it aggressive. She's not aggressive. And, um, but when I think about things that people have said to me for real, I can often not be honest about my feelings being hurt, but I don't want to drift into this violent sin. Right, right. I think some of our grief is actually not grief, and we can allow external counseling words to then turn our slight disagreement with another brother or sister into trauma. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then once you say trauma, because I made a joke that wasn't very funny and it wasn't even bad, Mm -hmm. then now we're all the way to trauma. Mm -hmm. And so now there's grief between things and sometimes we haven't gotten there. However, when there's real grief, I just want us to be honest about it, not you know, weird Christian about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, weird Christian says, well, God's going to wipe away all my tears yeah. one day. Well, what about two days? Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or you had to be tough. Oh, you got to be. Because the assumption is for people like yourself <clears throat> who are comfortable in their own skin is that you don't feel nothing. So you never grieve. No, but you do grieve. I know you personally. Amen. Right? So, you so. Giving me free counseling for you. <laughs> never paying. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about, here's, here's the reality of what COVID did. There, there are a lot of people who are not coming back to our churches, and there are a lot of people who have left our churches. And that, not just, it doesn't just affect pastors and their wives, it affects people in ministry who have relationships with them. It affects our kids, right? So here's a question, just as we get going with this. Should we be inviting people back or giving them time and space to come back when they want to? I, I love this question, and I think this is a conversation my husband and I have been having for quite some time, 
because the, I think one of the answers we have found in wrestling through this question is it depends what we're inviting them back to. Mm. So if we are we inviting people back to a service or are we inviting people back to a community of faith, mm. to a body, to a family? Mm. And I think it's, I loved even how Jen introduced this morning, we have an opportunity to redefine and reintroduce and cast a vision for what the church is. Mm. You need the church. You are the church. Why the church? Like there's no better season to cast a vision. And I, like I could sob about just the last couple of days. I feel even personally just listening to everyone talk over the last few days, they have cast a vision for a glorious church. Amen. Like Amen. a beautiful church. And I'm going home going, man, the church isn't perfect and we've been hurt by the church, but I love the church. Like there's no better place to be Amen. than Amen. the church. Amen. And I found in myself a renewed hope for the church. Amen. And I and I think to be able to go back and to be able to talk with people through even all that stuff that we heard that the Jesus loves the church and there is no better place than to find ourselves inside the family, Amen. which is the church, which is the people, not just a service. Amen. That's so good. Uh, Donald Whitney once said it, but just, it reminded me what you just said, Leslie, that he said, nobody can hurt you like the church can. Hmm. And nobody can love you like the church can. I mean, that, that is real for us. And so when we see people leaving, not coming back, I think every church leader has to honestly assess, why am I upset they're not coming back? Mm. Is it because our numbers are down? Mm. Is it because our giving is down? Or is it because I want to shepherd souls? Mm -hmm. And I want to lead people to Christ. I want to see people be transformed into his image. So if that's, if that's what we want, well then, brothers, sisters, be leaders and call them back home. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Jesus uses a lot of agricultural analogies. Yell, yell out, suey pig, come, come home, come back. Suey, bring, bring him, bring him back. Home. I mean, I'm from Houston. I don't even do that. So I was a risk, but yes, you, yes, you do. Man, I'm an avid indoorsman. I don't do, I don't do anything, but you got to call the people back. You know? Did he just make a noise? <laughs> oh God. This is Jesus calling the sheep, you know. Jesse, can, can you speak to this? Um, how do we grieve and process people leaving our church but while engaging new people who come? You know what I mean? Because it's like, like, how do we create space to process that without just moving on to the next person who's coming? Yeah, well, and I know we've all experienced the whole, like, it doesn't matter what you did during COVID, somebody's not happy about it. And so we had a lot of people that left. We had a lot of people who came to our church because they thought that we were going to meet all their needs and they left their church because they didn't like their mask policy or we, yeah, all of that. So um, I think for me, and I think a lot of our leadership, holding people in an open hand and trusting that the Lord has them um, and not, I think over the years I've seen where we've really tried to like keep everybody and we do, I mean, we want to keep our people close, but if you try and hold on to somebody who's just not wanting to be part of what you're doing anymore, I've seen where that has backfired. Um, so I think if, if people need to go, trying what you can to keep them, letting them go, and then just being really hopeful about who's in. We live in a really transient area. We have, um, it's a college town. Mm -hmm. Every year.
year, we just see an exodus and then a new birth of all these new people. So I used to think about, like, I'm just not going to get close to anyone because I'm just going to lose them and it's just going to hurt me. And so I took this same approach to COVID. um, There are, I think about, like, summer camp, like, even here, I'm not going to be like, well, I'm not going to even talk to anyone because after this, I'm never going to see them again. When you were a kid and you went to camp, you were like, we're best friends. So Mm -hmm. not that you have to do that with the people in your church, but... I think seeing people as the gift that God has given them to you in in that season and being excited about them, and if they have to go or they want to go somewhere else, I mean, confronting them about that, but we we have to hold on to the people that we have and not try and have such a tight grip on people that aren't meant to be with us, so. So good, no, so good. Do you want to say something, Pastor? Well, I mean, one way I've managed the loss of people, particularly in the inner city context, because I lose them to death. I lose them to 25 years in jail. Um, I lose them to the transient reality of the inner city. Um, I, I've just had to say, like, man, I am a bus driver for Jesus. I'm going to drive the bus, do the route God gives me, mm. treat everybody good who gets on, but I'm going to recognize people are going to get on That's and right. people are going to get That's off. Right. That's right. Now, in grieving those losses, um, I just want to make sure I put some Holy Ghost funk on them mm-hmm. before they leave. I want them me to too. stink me like too. Jesus. I want them to have the eternal stench of <laughs> Jesus on them. And um, so wherever they land. So I just do it. <laughs> I just do it, Dwayne. I'm a, you know me. Um, I got a few acres, so I I, I, I'm a cookout dude, so I just invite. So me and my wife have been doing Friday night movie night. We knew we came here and we got to Richmond, so it's been years, but we're not new. But you know, Thanos, aka COVID, snapped, and we lost a year or change. And um, so now we do movie night, and so many people come to my house, show up on a Friday night. We have like 60, 70 people, and we do that every Friday. How do I grieve? Man, I celebrate what Jesus is doing, and I don't just mourn what happened. Good. And I've got to live in the reality that um, Jesus' math is far greater than mine. Amen. Amen. Good, good, good. Let's, let's help some people here who, who may be navigating uh, the family schisms and the friendship schisms, things that relationally have impacted them severely regarding COVID, race, and politics. How can we move towards parents or other people who have went off the rails relationally with us due to COVID politics and race, maybe even some people within our network. How do we deal with that? I'd say, you know, Paul talks in Ephesians in five and six about that guy can talk. <laughs> I, I'm quick. I'm quick. I'm going to be quick. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. We lost this beautiful word because we are so smart in reformed theology, Christ-like. I think uh, uh, using that word again allows us to, Jesus was not just about words, but about actions. And he modeled and demonstrated and went before us. I think that's what we do um, in, in, in situations where we're shepherding and navigating those relationships to our health. We got to be Christ like people are broken and we have to recognize that brokenness and just operate like Christ, how he dealt with us in our brokenness. Jesse, talk a little bit. Just a little bit. What was the question? 
about the next one. How can we move I think to Leslie it? actually has something to say on this. How can we t- move to us? <laughs> she told me. Move, just, just, just answer from the standpoint of just moving towards people, um, because uh, you know some people have families that have cut them off, parents not speaking to them, yep. you know brothers and sisters disappeared. I'll be honest, I didn't have a lot of like when I read this question, a wisdom for this question. The only thing that came to my mind quickly was the word slowly. I think we, and I'm going to bang this gong, I'm sorry to say this again, but we have created cultures where we are just always moving fast. We move fast towards relationships. We want to clear things up quickly. We want to move on. We want to do this so that everything becomes, and I know this is probably moving into one of the other questions, but we see everyone as an obstacle Mm. to the mission. Like, if you're not agreeing with me, like you're an obstacle, so mm-hmm. I gotta pass over you to move forward. As opposed to looking at people like I gotta step back and reevaluate what is like. Why do I want to do this? Do I? I gotta move slowly here and humble myself mm-hmm. and walk in kindness and love. And and I, I'm not I'm not a big deal. <laughs> We're not big deals. Mm-hmm. We are Christ representatives on earth. So what does that look like? It's gotta look a lot different uh, than it probably has in the past and just slow like move slowly and prayerfully mm-hmm. and kindly and softly amen that's good that's good leslie you want to come yeah. i i agree with what you said <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go going i okay, good. i think quickly the doctrine of election mm. and so he chose us in him before the foundation of the world and love he predestined us Paul also says to love one another as God in Christ forgave you and to love one another as he loves us. Mm-hmm. If God loves us unconditionally, do we love people unconditionally? Mm-hmm. That whatever your COVID stance was, I still love you. Mm-hmm. Do they pick that up from us? Or do they pick up antagonism from us? Mm-hmm. Whatever their political leaning may be, whatever their stance on this cultural issue, whatever. If it's a family member, that is still your family member. That, that is not a bridge to burn. That's good. That, that is not something for a cultural issue. Mm. When Christ transcends all of these, mm. Mm. Um, we don't want to let anything from our stance, I mean, other than the gospel. Mm. I think there are too many things that in the last few years, I think if we, there are some people that if they could add to the Apostles' Creed, they would love to. Mm. And mm. We, need to, we need to get back to simple apostolic, supernatural Christianity. Speaking of that, Jeff, can you speak to just how do we rebuild trust? Because I know some elder teams have taken a beating a little bit over those stances because they have not agreed. And uh, how do you rebuild trust with an elder team? Um, amongst the elders or elders to the church? Amongst the elders. Amongst the elders. Yeah. I think there's got to be some honest conversations. Mm-hmm. Because if we keep stuffing down, 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 it will erupt. Mm. And I think if we don't have honest, I mean, so when I, I say honest, I don't mean in, in, like aggressive. I think sometimes we think honest and aggressive are side by side. Mm-hmm. Jesus is always honest and he is always gentle and lowly. And so our honesty, we need to go on retreats. We need to sit in rooms and say, brothers, this is what I, I think we're in right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's go forward together. Mm-hmm. And how like, let's be a, if you're a leader, this also means you're a leader in repentance. You're a leader in humility. You're a leader in owning. Mm. And you're a leader in extending forgiveness. That's good. That's and so, good. I mean, these are real biblical categories. That's good. Leslie? 
I think one question that has been helpful that my husband will redirect me to in time if, if these kind of conflicts is he'll say, do you want to be right or do you want to be friends? Mm. So we've had to walk through that. Is it what's more important to me? Mm. What's my motivation? Is it to be right in this conflict mm. or is the relational part, the heart part, That's more so good. I'll be controversial. A lot of them elders shouldn't have been elders to begin with. Yeah. You ain't lying. They were put up because they had degrees. They were put up because they were there and they were faithful young Christians. And you needed some elders. So many elders have corrupted their own elder culture by putting up non-elders and making them elders before it was time. And then when the thing falls apart, we want to call the Enneagram guys, cross point, and pay 300000 to come fix the problem, repent, and stop raising up little boys. Yeah, I... Oh, well. <laughs> okay. I, I was going to say something else, but I think Doug covered it, so... Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Change your bylaws. <laughs> All right. Let's think about the last question we have. Um, it's related to slowing down in marriage to build relationship. I am ready. I'm ready for this one. This thing is, huh? I said I am ready for this one. Okay. Life is moving fast, as Leslie had said earlier, and um, in particular in this season of just ministry, it's just on steroids, and it's just so much going on. What can we do to slow down the pace in order to make time for that relationship, that husband-wife relationship. Jesse? Well, I, I don't want to state the very obvious, but I do want to share a little bit of like what that's looked like for us. The last, so Eric, my husband, was on a sabbatical last year. It was really hard. We just were so missing each other, got to the end of it, and just were like, we have to get in some counseling. So we started counseling maybe a week or so after that and we've actually that was august so we've been in counseling every week for over a year now both either individually or together as a couple and it was one of those things where it's like we never wanted to make the time for it to carve out because also just admitting that need is really hard but um, to stop and say, okay, this is really important. And actually, my, my son, who's 13, he overheard our conversation. He was just bawling, like, why are you guys going to counseling? So I, I had to teach him, like, why this is important. And so the analogy I use for him, and I think it's, it's helpful, is it's like you go to the gym, um, and you don't just show up and you have a perfect body, right? Mm. Maybe some of you are genetically that way. Good for you. Um, <laughs> but the rest of us show up and... You- you have to put in the work, right? And I know for me, like, I show up at the gym and I'm overwhelmed because there's all these machines and I don't know what to do. And so I'm like, maybe I will hire a personal trainer and they will help me break through plateaus and give me the tools that I need to actually build this healthy body that I want to build. That's what it was like for us is we did not know what we needed. We didn't even know how to clear those hurdles and to have someone else walk through that with us. So now we're, we're just having conversations that feel like we're fighting for each other and not against each other. Because um, we, I mean, we've all been through a lot of trauma. And I know we specifically, I think when you're wounded, you can really get into this um, almost entitlement to sin. And we don't see it that way. But 
we we grow lax on pursuing personal holiness or or godliness because we feel like you know what I I deserve this extra mm-hmm. glass of wine or whatever it might be. But I think really. Um, deciding and choosing to press in, to slow down and take that time to work on that relationship because everything else will trickle down from that, especially if you're in ministry. If your marriage is not healthy, it's really hard for your church to be healthy and it's hard for your leadership to be healthy. So we've seen that and we've had some people who have come alongside of us and lovingly pointed out some things and helped us when we, we couldn't even see our own good. sin. So Good, 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 good. Two minutes, either one of you all. I, I'd say this is, um, date night's great, mm-hmm. but that is not a load-bearing wall in a relationship. Mm-hmm. The date night can be a fool's gold mm-hmm. to where... <laughs> the oil is flowing. I mean, if you have six... I don't know how many hours there are in a week, but two, two good hours a week is not going to fix it. That's right. You have to have daily rhythms of serving one another, loving one another. Mm-hmm. If you have great Christology and you don't serve your wife, your Christology is nothing. Yeah. Like, Amen. It's, it's got to be full circle. That's good. That's good. And, uh, and I'll say in two seconds. <laughs> That's racial profiling, what y'all just did to me. <laughs> I'm a black man telling you two seconds is you a, you a vegan though. So um we always look at the past. We always look at the passage and we see We look at that passage and say in an understanding way. You know, in first Peter, work with your wives in an understanding way, but we always forget that last part. Or your prayers will be hindered. We operate with the looseness of the option of an understanding way, mm. not with the command of an understanding way mm. that affects your whole ministry, mm. as Jess just said. So when you are raggedy in your relationship with your wife, when you try to make a low-bearing wall of Applebee's, um, it's over. With it's Applebee's. over. Yeah. We have to remember that it hinders everything else in the church. It says your prayers will be ineffective. It's good, Doc. No, I don't need it. <laughs> I think I think only the, I, I think the only thing I would add to that is just um, really whether you're a lay leader, whether you're an officer, whether you're a pastor or a wife, just creating the culture of I'm going to take a quarterly getaway with my wife and my husband, and I, I'm not going to apologize for it because I'm going to make that investment. You're making the investment on weekly council. I think that's an incredible encouragement for people. Um, so, yeah, thank you all so much. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your service to Acts 29. Um, I love each one of you dearly. And, um, and um, let me just close this in prayer. I hope this was helpful. Father, thank you so much for your word. Um, thank you that it has um, empowered us to be able to navigate through uh, some of the most difficult seasons of our lives. And so we just pray for the future and asking that you would continue to have your hand upon us, bless our churches, strengthen our relationships. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.